Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our text for our sermon is Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 18. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He called to him, Abraham. Abraham answered, I am here. God said, now take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains there, the one to which I direct you. Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, along with Isaac his son. Abraham split the wood for the burnt offering. Then he set out to go to the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go on over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and loaded it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire pot and the knife in his hand. The two of them went on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father? He said, I am here, my son. He said, Here are the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them went on together. They came to the place that God had told him about. Abraham built the altar there. He arranged the wood, tied up Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, I am here. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham looked around and saw that behind them there was a ram caught in the thickets by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. So it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, I have sworn by myself, declares the Lord, because you have taken this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will bless you greatly and I will multiply your descendants greatly like the stars of the sky and like the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the city gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of our Lord. When God tests us, it is not for his own knowledge because God knows everything. He already knows the outcome. We always have to remember when scripture talks about our being tested, it's actually for our good. And whether we're talking about the Hebrew of the Old Testament or the Greek of the New Testament, there are two primary words that's used in the Bible for testing. One is, let's say you're trying to determine whether you have fool's gold or real gold. This is a pass-fail test. Is there faith there or not? I have passed these tests in my life. I have failed them. God is using them to assure us that we have faith or show us where we're not trusting in him. The other word is the one that's used in today's text, 
And that's the word that you know you've got gold, but you're trying to find out how many carat it is. So it's an examination of the quality. Now, Abraham passes this test, but sometimes you and I have failed them. Abraham failed tests like this in his life. When we fail those tests, God is showing us where we're not clinging to him. And whether it's the pass-fail test or whether it's the examination of the quality, it's why we're grateful for what we're told in today's gospel lesson, that Jesus was tempted severely by the devil, and this wasn't the only time, but our gospel lesson focuses on that time. He withstood a temptation you and I could not stand up to, and yet he's credited us with his perfect obedience. He also went to that cross and he washed away your and my sins are failing the test. And so today, as we look at this test that Abraham's called the father of believers, and one of the reasons is because he, he passes this test. He has a strong faith. But as we look at this test of Abraham today, we will see that God tests us, you and I, to strengthen our faith. Now, the Hebrew language here is beautiful at Point, painting out the picture before our eyes, and it's nearly impossible to paint all the details and beauty into the English language. I'm going to preach on a rough translation that falls short of that as well. But if we start at verse 1, we're told, and it happened after these events. Now let's stop there. You see, today's text really is the culmination in many ways of Abraham's life. First, God had called him out of idolatry, and he moves in his own home country of Samaria. Then God calls him and says, now, leave your home country, leave your family, your relatives, and head off to that land of Canaan. You're going to roam around as a nomad, and you're never going to own any land there. Abraham tells his wife, pack your bags, honey, we're going. Now, most people would say, ah, it's time to call the men who come with straitjackets. Abraham passed this test beautifully. He wandered the rest of his life in a land that he would never own anything, we're going to get into it, but a burial plot. And as to the rest, he had to trust that, and it would be 450 or more years later before his ancestors truly took possession of it. Now during that time though, there was a time where there was a drought and Abraham failed the test. He went down to Egypt and he even tells his wife, hey, tell them you're my sister because you're a hottie and they're going to take you and kill me. She ends up in Pharaoh's harem, and God himself has to intervene. Abraham failed the test, but God cleaned up after him. That's a comfort for you and I. God is gracious. God, Abraham then will return to the promised land, and he'll, one more time in his life, he'll head to the land of the Philistines, and, and he'll tell his wife again, claim you're my sister, and she ends up in the Philistine king's harem, and God, yeah, basically it looks like he sent a, an STD to stop the king from having intercourse with her as one of his wives. God had to intervene again. Abraham's whole entire life is one of faith, but there are times we miss that he fails the test. And in fact, one of the times he failed was Sarah. Sarah realizes she's past the age of having children, so she says, take my maidservant here, Hagar, and have a child with her because there's no way I'm having a child. They'd stop trusting in God's promise to send them the descendant through whom the Savior would be born. Thought that God needed their help. Now, when they finally do have the son, who will be the descendant of Jesus, Ishmael is a teenager, and Ishmael's having a really good time taunting Isaac, and so they have to send Ishmael away. God will take care of Ishmael. He promises Abraham that. But when it comes to the inheritance, Ishmael, in a way, is nothing. He's, it's almost like he doesn't exist because he's not going to inherit the promised Savior. He's not going to be the Savior's descendant. 
although he might he trusted in the coming Savior. And so it happens that we're told, and it happened after these events, that God tested Abraham. Here's how it happened. He said to him, Abraham. Then Abraham said, I'm present and attentive. We often translated that in Old English with the word, behold, me. But in Hebrew, it really means, not only am I here, I'm all ears. So Abraham is saying, you got my undivided attention. Then God said, please take your son, specifically your, and as I said, we can translate this unique or only son, whom you love, that is Isaac, and get yourself to the land of Moriah. Then offer him up there for a whole burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell you. See, a whole burnt offering, everything was burnt up because it was to ascend up to heaven. It is abundantly clear Abraham is to kill his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And this is only one time in history is there where God actually demands a human sacrifice, and that's his own life. We're going to get into that. But here, it's almost like God is grinding him under his, under his thumb. You know, uh, I even had you send Ishmael away, so take your son, specifically the only one left, whom you love, that is Isaac, in case you're thinking it might be anybody else, now go kill him to me. What? There seems to be quite a contradiction here, brothers and sisters in Christ, because God had promised him for years promised and waited for years until it was clearly and abundantly, undeniably a miracle that Isaac was even born to Abraham and Isaac. I, Abraham's 99 years old when Isaac is born. And he says the Savior will be a descendant through him. He promised that way back in Genesis chapter 12. And he tells him to go off and kill him. There is quite a contradiction here. And let's not kid ourselves. God's promises in our lives, as Martin Luther was, was very fond of saying, it often seems like God hates us. It's not the case. God uses crosses to strengthen us. But that's what's going on here. Listen to the amazing faith of Abraham, verse 3. So Abraham got to work early in the morning. He didn't dilly-dally. He didn't say, let's wait a couple of weeks and make sure this is what God meant. He got right to trusting in God. He did this by tying a load onto his donkey and taking along his two younger manservants with him, along with Isaac, his son. He also split pieces of wood for a whole burnt offering. Then he got up and went out to the place that God had spoken to him. Then on the third day, Abraham scanned the horizon and he saw the place from a distance. Then Abraham said to his two younger manservants, stay here by yourselves with the donkey. I and the lad are going over there. Then we are going to bow in worship, and then we are going to return. And here is a beautiful, strong confession of faith. We're going to bow down in worship to God, and then we are going to return. Do you catch what's going on? God had told Abraham, the Savior will be a descendant uh, through your son Isaac. Now go kill him. Abraham recognizes there's only one way this is going to work out. We are going to return. And this is the really culmination of today's text and the main point. Now, if you listen throughout history, a lot of theologians, a lot of pastors have, have speculated, they've allegorized, they call it, when you find a, a hidden meaning in the text, or they've tried to talk about Isaac being type, anti-type of Christ and everything. And lots of times in their confusion, they actually distract from the text. Scripture says one thing very clearly about this text. And it's right there at that, then we are going to return. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, tells you exactly what God wants you to get out of this text. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac. This man who received the promise was ready to offer his only son, about whom it was said, through Isaac your offspring will be traced. He reasoned that God also had the ability to raise him from the dead. And in a figurative sense, Abraham did receive him back from the dead. Even the New Testament makes it clear this is where Abraham passed the test. God told him to slaughter his son, but had told him, had promised him, through Isaac, the Savior would be born. All nations were going to be blessed. So Abraham, by faith, said, God's going to have to raise him, and confidently says, we'll be back. So God tests us to strengthen our faith. When it seems like he's contradicting his blessings, he's doing that so that we trust that there is no contradiction in him at all. God resolves this. We see how Abraham trusts in God to resolve this, besides just saying God will, uh, God's going to raise him back when, it, when he goes off to sacrifice Isaac. And that starts at verse 6. So Abraham took the pieces of wood for the whole burnt offering. Then he placed them upon Isaac, his son. Then he took the fire and the knife in his hand. Then the two of them proceeded together. Now, I would like to think that if I'd been put through this test, and God doesn't do this, God doesn't want human sacrifice, but if I'd been put through this test, I'd like to think I would go through it as beautifully as Abraham did. I would like to. But I'm going to tell you, as I picked up the knife and they didn't have matches in those days and the horn full of the coals to start the fire, I'd start bawling like a baby. See, God has built into us, there's something wrong with murdering your own child. It would be very difficult. Abraham has to carry the murder devices in his hands. He mans up and he does it himself. Then Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, by saying, really in English we'd say, hey dad, because that's how we talk in English today. Then Abraham responded, I'm present and attentive, my son. In other words, I'm all ears. Then Isaac said, look, we have the fire, the pieces of wood, yet where's the sheep for the whole burnt offering? So Abraham responded, God will see to it for himself, my son. Now, we translate this in English, God will provide, and that's a good concept to get, but it's very interesting the way the Hebrew language says this. God will see to it. God will look after that. It's literally the verb for seeing. You and I, as we walk down the life's highway, we're like in a maze. And through memory, we can look back and know where we've been, but looking forward, we can guess what tomorrow has to bring based on today, but we don't know if there's a left-hand turn that we're going to have to take or a split in the, in the maze. But God, God's the one who designed the whole thing. He even created time, and he's looking above, and he knows everything that's coming. And lots of times, God puts obstacles in our life because he says, no, that's not the way you need to go. That'll be harmful for you. Oh, I see you're going to need this on life's highway, so I will see to it. And that's a beautiful description of how God provides to us. So Abraham isn't lying. If I'm to sacrifice you, God's going to provide you. If I am to sacrifice something else, God will look after that. Then the two of them proceeded together. When they came to the place that God had told him, Abraham built an altar and he arranged the pieces of wood. Then he bound Isaac, his son. Now, just stop here. The fact that his son even goes along with this is amazing. It shows a tremendous trust in his own father. Oftentimes, I've had people come to me as a pastor for counseling who had abusive parents and stuff, and they say, why do I keep opening them up a place in my heart and trusting in them? And it's because you're supposed to be able to trust in your parents. 
But here, Isaac submits to Abraham who is acting out of faith because he has properly seen he can trust his father. Then Abraham placed Isaac upon the altar on top of the pieces of wood. Then Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife in order to slaughter his son. Now at this point in time, the tears would be flowing from my eyes. The whole idea of plunging that knife so that your son would not feel the pain when you lit that fire would be overwhelming for me. And as he gets ready to strike down with that knife, yet the messenger of the Lord called out from the heavens by saying, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham stops, says, Ah, I'm all ears, Lord. You definitely got my undivided attention. So the messenger of the Lord said, stop extending your hand into the boy. Don't do this. He makes it very clear and stop doing anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Now there's a lot of things in this text and I could preach an entire sermon on this. The messenger of the Lord, literally in Hebrew, the Malach Adonai, Messenger. This can be a human being. This is clearly not a human being today. It can be an angel, a supernatural being, as God's messenger, or it can be God himself. When it refers to God himself, it's Jesus before he took on human flesh talking because he is the spokesman for the Trinity. In the New Testament, God the Father speaks less than a handful of times. Jesus is usually the one because he's the spokesman for the Trinity. And I'm going to explain to here, here as we go through how we know this is the pre-incarnate Christ. But in the meantime, God says, now I know that you fear. And the Hebrew word for fear is not the same as the English word for fear. For English, it only means I'm scared, I'm terrified of something. But in Hebrew, it also means having reverent awe, like a child who loves his father, but also knows if he screws up, he's afraid that, you know, of, of daddy's just discipline. But it also means a respect. And the word God uses here for now I know is the word for knowledge through experience. See, by putting Abraham through this test, and, and we're going to get into it, Abraham has experienced how much he trusts that resurrection, that God's going to raise Isaac from the dead, that Isaac is going to come back alive one way through the other. And God explains further, now I know, so this is how we know it's not an angel or a man, now I know that you fear God since you did not withhold your unique or only son, from me. God is talking of himself in the first person here. An angel couldn't say that. So we see here that the pre-incarnate Christ has just identified himself as the Lord. And the name used for the Lord here will not be revealed until God calls Moses from the burning bush. That name, Abraham only knew him as God. That name shows that God is absolutely faithful to his promises. He was going to make sure that all the world is blessed through this son, Isaac. So here we see Abraham is confronted with the difficulty going all the way through. And I would, like I said, I would have the tears dropping from my eyes, ready to plunge that knife into his son and then light the fire when God says, now I know through experience. But it's really now I've taught you through this experience. You fully trust in the resurrection. And so we see God tests us to strengthen our faith when it seems like he's contradicting his blessings so that we see there is no contradiction. And when we are confronted with difficulty and life's highway is full of them so that we trust God will see to it. And in this particular case, God says, I brought you right up to the edge because I am training you, but I'm going to see to it. This is taken care of. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and behold, a ram was caught behind a thicket by his horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and he offered it as a whole burnt offering in place of his son. 
So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will see to it. So that to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be seen to or looked after. Now Moses is writing these words. So this is how the the Canaanites referred to this mountain. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be looked after. This is how the Hebrews would refer to this place. See, God knew when this is said and done, oh, thank you, you didn't even, I knew you were going to raise my son, but you didn't even make me do that. And Abraham would want to give thanks. So God provided something that Abraham could easily reach over and return thanks. See, God even provides for you and I giving thanks. And, And this is why you and I give an offering. An offering isn't just money. Let's get that out of our heads right away. Your time. And the natural gifts God has given to you. We actually struggle to keep the law, according to our new man, because we're saved out of thanks for God. This is how we return thanks for already saving us. And so we see here, God even sees to it that we are empowered to give thanks to him. He doesn't need our giving thanks, but he understands how our grateful, how our grateful hearts will see him as our loving God and want to return thanks. We continue on at verse 15. Then the messenger, or here we've already recognized, we can say the spokesman. Then the spokesman of the Lord called out from the heavens a second time to Abraham. He said, I have sworn by myself a declaration of the Lord. Do you catch what God is saying? I've sworn by myself and make sure you understand this is a solid declaration. I'm really emphasizing this. That since you have done this very act, that is, you didn't withhold your son, specifically your unique or only one, I'm most certainly and abundantly blessing you and I'm making your seed numerous like the stars and the sand that is on the seashore and your seed will take possession of the gates of his enemies. And all the nations of the earth will bless themselves with the blessing of your seed on account of the fact that you paid attention to my voice. Now, we, if we just read this, we can think, okay, Abraham passed the test, so God says, now I'm rewarding you. Good job, you got an A, son. Here's an extra 20 bucks for putting some blood, sweat, and tears into it. That's not the case at all. God had promised Abraham this way back in Genesis chapter 12. He'd reiterated it in Genesis chapter 17 and in many different ways had reiterated it. So here what's going on is God says, since you've done this, I'm reaffirming to you. You already have the faith, but I'm I'm building on that faith and, and assuring you I would never relent on that promise that all the nations will be blessed through your son. To take possession of the gates of your enemies means you control what comes in and out of their cities. And if we think of this, allow me to, I've already condemned uh, allegorizing, but allow me to say, when you're a believer, God has given you the keys that bind the law, that bind sin by using the law that condemns it, and then loosen sin by forgiving it, pouring the blood of Christ on it, and you open up the gates of heaven. Now, Abraham's descendants literally would take possession because they would take possession of the promised land. But you, when you share the good news of salvation in Christ, welcome people into the kingdom of Christ. And verse 18 says, And all the nations of the earth will bless themselves with the blessing of your seed on account of the fact that you paid attention to my voice. When people see the benefits that come from trusting the Lord, I've mentioned this in sermons before. The public education system is from Christians. Hospitals are the invention of Christians. When they often see, even for them, just selfishly the blessings they get, 
they will want this. And so we see that God uses tests like that, but then he uses it, God sees to it, that his word affirms or reaffirms our faith. And this is why when you're enduring crosses, you run to the word of God, and when God has lifted those crosses from you, he, he, you, you come running to the word of God, and it strengthens you and keeps you in that faith. And we see that God comes immediately to Abraham to strengthen that faith. Now, the culmination of this test, and, and, and where I want to wrap this sermon up for you, is what happens next in Abraham's life in Genesis chapter 23. And it happens a few years after this. Scripture's silent in the years in between. But his wife of over a hundred years is called to heaven. And Abraham ends up having to barter with people to buy a small plot of land that will be her grave. But because God walked him through this and taught him through experience, when Sarah dies, Abraham would know, I will be with my beloved sister in Christ again. Now, there's no marriage in heaven. Jesus makes that very clear. Because our relationships in heaven will be sin-free, and they'll be way better even than the love of the most beautiful couple in heaven, husband and wife. But because God had walked him through this, he had the knowledge through experience, Abraham would, to be confident, yes, I will miss Sarah, but I will be with her again along with all believers. So let me conclude today's sermon with those words that are clearly stated in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac. This man who received the promises was ready to offer his only son, about whom it was said, through Isaac your offspring will be traced. He reasoned that God also had the ability to raise him from the dead. And in a figurative sense, Abraham did receive him back from the dead. God tests us to strengthen our faith. When it seems like he's contradicting his blessings so that we trust there is no contradiction in him. When we are confronted with the difficulty so that we can see that God will see to it himself. God even sees to it that we return thanks and God sees to it that his word reaffirms our faith. Amen. And now no testing has overtaken you except ordinary testing, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tested beyond your ability, but when he tests you, he will also bring about the outcome that you are able to bear it. Amen.